we have added a third person to this show. From the Lebetard world, we are adding, drumroll please. This is The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. All right, everybody, welcome back to The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. And I say welcome back because we were off last week and we're thrilled to be back. We have a super big show. We have a lot to get to, but uh, I want to start off. I'm looking at uh, Chris Cody in Zoom right now. He looks like hell. He looks like uh, he's hungover. I don't know what the hell went on yesterday. Um, what's going on with you, boy? See, I, I feel like you're you're just saying that because you want to talk about my boat day yesterday. Like, I feel like you're attacking me in the way I look. When really, I, do I look that terrible? I mean, actually, I'm leaning. Yeah, I look pretty bad. Yeah, you look pretty bad. Day, yeah. Um, no, I had a boat day yesterday. Uh, I don't even know. I didn't even ask these people if they want me talking about it. But I guess you know we're here anyways. I went out on the boat yesterday with Israel Gutierrez and Mike Ryan. Wow, drop those names. I mean, you just, you brought this, you act like I just wanted to start here. You came at me with this conversation. Yes. Right. Uh, Whose boat was it? It was Izzy's boat. Um, very wow. nice boat. We went out to um, Boca. A um, lot of sun, a lot of seltzers. Um, it was a lot of fun. I had a good time. It's good to let the uh, let your hair down every once in a while. I don't know where that saying comes from, but it's yeah. nice. Every once in a while, every few weeks, let your hair down. And that's what yesterday was for me. A let your hair down kind of day. And and how big is Izzy's boat? Um, you know, I'm not a boat guy. I don't know exact footage. It was big enough. It wasn't a yacht. You know, Izzy's at that stage where he's a boat owner, a boner, and he, you know, is still like he's he's. It, I've noticed boat guys. They're looking at other boats all the time, wishing if he can upgrade. He, oh man, I want to get that. But oh, look at that thing. That's a these boat guys. They know all the names of all the boats. It's a whole culture out there, those boat guys. And Izzy is just dove into that world of being a boat guy. So you guys weren't fishing or anything. You were just like drinking on a boat, basically. No, we weren't fishing. We went to like a sandbar type thing where you like dock your boat in the middle of the water. But for some reason, even though it's the middle of the water, you can stand. The ocean's weird. Here's what's happening. The, um, the Cody, you know, we're like uh, groundhogs popping our heads up. The Cody's are emerging slowly and gradually from the pandemic. You're out on a boat partying yesterday and... Um, my wife and I spent a few glorious days down in Key West, which we love. We love the Keys. And um, what I discovered down there is that I don't actually want to be on a boat. Uh, I just like looking at other people on boats. You know what I'm saying? That's it, It's good enough for me. I'm up, uh, I'm up in my hotel suite looking down. Um, one thing I discovered is that boaters hate um, jet skiers. You know what I'm saying? Am I right? <laughs> I don't feel like you know that. I feel like you're just saying a sentence oh, I know right it. there. Like, I don't feel like you have any facts behind that. You're just like kind of making a statement. I'm reading the water. I'm reading the water. And, and uh, you know, the jet skis are, are driving the, the legitimate boats crazy. But anyway. Are we going to get to this big announcement we that are. we have? Because I am staring at a, a third person yes. in this Zoom. And we have teased the audience online that we have a big announcement and we have added somebody to our show. Are we just going to like let this linger or are we going to be are we going to make this awkward no let's get to it get go to ahead it? i want to give you the honor because this is big we have added a third person to this show um mainly for a couple reasons i'd say i'd say because this show has just grown like this show is like you know that scene that stereotypical scene in movies where there's like an explosion like that's what's happened with this show and the show has blown up and i need some help so we brought somebody in dan lebitard is joining our staff, and he will now be my producer. Dan, Le I'm kidding. It's uh, not Dan Levitard. Okay. Yeah. From the Levitard world, we are adding, drum roll, please. 
Yeti Blanc, song expert extraordinaire from the Dan Levitard show. Yeti, say hello to the audience. Hello to the audience. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, gentlemen. Great to be here. We are very excited to have Yeti on board with us. He is going to make my life so much easier, if not only for just being able to have someone to vent to about my dad. That's what I feel like, Yeti. I feel like your main purpose here is going to just be give me someone to complain about when my dad annoys me. I can I can tell you that uh, the main reason that uh, Yeti Blanc is on board is that um, hard as it is to believe, his real name isn't Yeti Blanc. His his birth name is Greg, and I like to surround myself with as many Gregs as I can. You know, it's um, in in Lincoln, Nebraska over the weekend. There was a, a a pool noodle fight among dozens and dozens of people named Josh. And and I want uh, I want to organize something similar with Greg's. Uh, I want the two of us, we Greg's, to put out a clarion call to other Greg's, and we're going to do something. We're going to congregate all the Greg's socially distance, of course, and we're going to have some fun. I don't know exactly what that's going to be, but anyway, Greg, parentheses Yeti Blanc, I want to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you, gentlemen. It's uh, it, it's been a, an exciting week to uh, get ready for this show and to to make my my grand entrance uh on the greg cody show with greg cody now featuring me um (laughs) but uh featuring maybe strong but uh, wow wow all right yeah i'm getting a little ahead of myself getting getting a little ahead of myself there but um yeti yeti's gonna help us out in so many ways creatively with ideas he's gonna hopefully add value production wise you know he's gonna be doing some bits some songs hopefully and uh you know he's gonna make us better and we're excited to have him and but i wish like, my dad made that joke about him being named Greg and that being the reason that he's hired. It's a great joke, if it were a joke. But my dad, I swear to you, Yeti, the thing that put you over, like, my, I gave my dad all your bona fides. I was like, this is where he can help. This is where he can add value. My dad was finally like, okay, we're doing it once I said, oh, yeah, and his name is Greg. Like, that is not right. a joke. Not only am I a Greg, I'm a Gregory Paul. So, I mean, oh, wow. I was really yeah, relying right. heavy. I was relying heavily on Greg nepotism or Gregpotism. And uh, I mean, in the when when you guys were talking to me, I, I made sure to hit up that I'm from the same town as Andy Griffith. Um, I knew oh, that wow. would hit a, hit just... a key point with him. I reminded him that I had written a few parody songs directly about him, including a parody of his parody of Muswell Hillbilly, which turned into the Ballad of 1440. And it was all Greggy. about being on a Zoom chat with Greg Cody. So here we are. Why don't we let's play that song for the let's give a little uh, the audience a little taste of who Yeti is. I feel like a lot of people probably know Yeti because a lot of the people that listen to this are fans of Levitard show. But there are some people here who are probably like, who the hell is Yeti Blanc? So here is a little taste of some work Yeti Blanc has done. Well, it would fill my heart full of joy If I could be on a Zoom chat with Greg Cody You never know He'll say hello He might even say baby Still I hope For that thing On my cell phone toy That was a fun one to write. I actually, um, instead of using a backing track, I actually recorded that whole thing with my guitar and my keyboard and put a little drum tra- drum track myself. Three-part harmony. Not Most of my parodies don't go that in-depth. So I really wanted to be on a Zoom chat with Greg. Back over the summer, you guys were offering Zoom chats. You, you had our friend Danielle. You had our friend Steve. And then I give you a song and, and nothing. 
and my mm-hmm. kids were making fun of me ever since. They just randomly asked me, you ever going to be on that Zoom with Greg? You ever going to talk to Greg Cody? And now, look who's laughing now, kids. Look at you look now. Look who's laughing now. Plus, you're grounded from the switch for mocking me for so long. <laughs> exactly. And, and that, was a, that was a beautiful parody. Thank you. Hey, I want to set the table for this show because it's a big one. Uh, it's NFL Draft Week in America, and we have on the queen of the NFL, I would call her, uh, ESPN personality Mina Kimes, NFL analyst and all that stuff. And, and she, um, she and I and, and Christopher talk Dolphins and NFL Draft, and, and that's a lot of fun. But before we uh, get to her, I think uh, I want to give a somber tribute uh, to uh, there was a, a big death in the soccer family, uh, RIP European Super League. Um, born on a Monday, died on a Wednesday, and um, it was just the most splendidly ill-conceived idea in the history of sports because we're talking about the 12 biggest teams in, in soccer, really. They, they form this breakaway league, and it meets with instant condemnation from fans, from players, from FIFA, and it just it disintegrates right before our eyes hours after it was formed, and it was just a glorious thing to watch. It, I've it, never seen anything else like it. Is it possible that that could be as big of a story as everyone was claiming? Because that was the thing that everyone was trying to get you to get interested in a soccer story. This is the biggest thing that has happened in sports in years, if not ever. And then it's right. just gone. And then like a day later, it's just like, but oh yeah, by the way, this story that was the biggest sports story ever... We're, uh, we're we're changing our mind. We're not doing this anymore. What what if it turned out that this was like a whole re- uh, like on purpose in con- in conjunction with FIFA and UEFA, like a whole wrestling thing? You know, like like they form this faction like NWO, and they take out they're 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 doing this hostile takeover like NWO did, and uh, but it turned out it was all just part of the gimmick and to get more it is to a get heel more clicks. Um, yeah, I don't understand the the whole premise of it because they're trying to replace uh, the the Champions League really and. The Champions League, the real Champions League, is in its semifinal matches right now. They have a great Final Four, and I don't know why that needed improving. You know, I, I don't know what the concept was there to begin with, but anyway, it collapsed. Um, did you guys uh, watch Masvidal lose? Yeah. Explain something to me, because I'm not a UFC expert. What a great card that was, by the way. Uh, just a great, the second, the, the co-main event, Rose, getting the title back, That that was such a badass fight those those two final fights were insane and the crazy leg did you see this clip of this guy Weidman he kicks the guy on the shin and he snaps his own ankle and you see like his foot flail around the guy's leg and then he tries to land like he doesn't even realize he did it on the kick so he finishes the kick and tries to land on that said just, oh, I'm telling you, it, it just made me, I just got chills just thinking of it. It was disgusting. But those final two fights were insane. Explain this to me, Christopher, because you know UFC a lot better than I do. Masvidal, that was his 15th career loss. That's, that's a lot of losses. Uh-huh. Why does Masvidal continue to have this aura about him when he loses so much? Because he lost a lot of those early on, or like earlier in his career, and that his late career, like the last four or five years, he's been, or maybe not four or five years, but the last three years or so, he's been on a run, and he's just been dominating people, and he got better. And while he his record isn't as impressive as like an Usman's and a lot of people, this guy's just like he's been in the game so long, he's taken his losses, but he's kind of gotten better through his career, and like this last part of his career has been his most dominant. 
So like the fight game is crazy. You can lose a bunch, but if you go on a run, you know, you can you, you can get things. And he just he's a good draw. And that Ben Askren knee just like made him more famous and it it elevated his status. So that um, for, for Masvidal, that knee to the face was very much the clowny tackle in the bowl game. Because I'd never heard of Jadavian Clowney until that. And really, that was the only highlight from college of his that I ever saw. But also, his ability to talk does a lot to be able to drum up, the, like, like McGregor. Which brings us to Jake Paul. Speaking of uh, somebody whose mouth I love uh, sells him. more than his, his... I love Jake Paul. Listen, I, I am in on this. I am my in favorite, on Jake Paul. All right, my favorite part of the, the fight card the other night was nothing that happened in the octagon. It's Jake Paul. It's Daniel Cormier staring down... Jake Paul, because Love of it. all this, uh, you know, this sniping that Jake Paul's been doing at him. I have to say, look, Jake Paul has set himself up as a as a perfect villain. Everything about Jake Paul is is contrived and orchestrated. And right now, what has to happen is Daniel Cormier has to come out of retirement and and fight Jake Paul. I, I don't even care if they're in the same weight class or not. They may not be. <laughs> this is irrelevant to me. This actual beef between Jake Paul and Daniel Cormier. Why does everyone hate Jake Paul? Is what I want to know. The, the guy is bringing eyes to boxing. He's showing that he's not terrible. At the very least, he's not terrible. And, I mean, he needs to fight boxers. I agree with that. I just don't know why we have this animosity. Like, we like Conor McGregor, but we don't like Jake Paul. Is it because he came from YouTube? People just need to get over it. Old people. YouTube's a thing now. You, it's, it's a way to make money. It's a way to create content. Sorry, 50-year-old. When you were in your 20s, it was just you had to be an actor. Or you had to be, you know, on TV or movies. Now there's other avenues because of social media. Why are we hating Jake Paul? Because he is just crushing this avenue that is just open to him. Because he's volunteering himself as a punk. He's 23 years old, and he's like just to Daniel Cormier on social media. F you, Dad, and you're <laughs> but Dad, and you're talking about him right now. He's winning. This podcast is devoting time to Jake Paul. And first of all, Daniel Cormier has said the same exact things about Jake Paul. Daniel Cormier was like, I'll, sl I'll slap the shit out of that kid. And then Jake Paul called him out after that. So it's like okay. people are coming at Jake Paul and then they're mad when he comes back at them. And he's generating all this interest and in, in income for these fights. So it's like, I don't understand why we hate Jake Paul. We like fights. We like the fight game. We like smack talk. Like, wh Why do we hate Jake Paul? He's a punk clown. That's all. I mean, all right. he, you know, he may be good, but prove it a little bit longer. What's he fought twice? I mean, he's trying to. He's telling you, hey, I want to fight people. Like, I want to prove my worth. I want, in 10 years, I want to be the biggest prize fighter in the world. Like, let him get there. If he gets knocked out, that would be interesting and fun, too. I'm not saying I'm this, like, I think he's going to go undefeated his whole career. I just don't understand, like, the, like you, Dad, I don't, what was that name? Yeti, what did my dad just say? You called him a what? Like, why are you so emotional about this that you're name-calling Jake Paul? A punk fraud, you said? What was it that you just called A clown him? punk. A clown punk? Like, why? <laughs> I just don't understand, like, why we hate him so much. He has a very punchable face. And, and then he, and then, that he does. And then he puts it out there. I think You know, it's one thing to have a punchable face, but then he puts it out there. I'm looking at the three of us. <laughs> And I'm seeing a lot of punchable faces. If Jake Paul is a punchable face, we all have punchable faces. I mean, Greg, Cody, I mean, I, maybe it's because I just have a lot of baggage with you. You have an extremely punchable face. Really? Wow. Hey, before we get to Mina and dive into this podcast, I want to... Uh... We're already in, by the way. Like, we're in. Oh, yeah, that's true. I want to... Like, we've already <laughs> dove in. We are the Greg Cody Show. We like to have fun. And one of the weird perks about that is, I don't even know if people know this, but... Somehow, the Cody's have become friendly with 
Joe Biden. It, it's the weirdest situation. Uh, I mean, Joe calls all of us? me. All, all of us or just you? Yeah, Joe and my dad, uh, the late, great Wild Bill Cody, actually became <laughs> friends years ago. And, and so my friendship with Joe is sort of handed down. He calls me GC. He's calling me all the time. President of the United States calling me. I, I just, it, it's so bizarre. And um, the last time he called me, uh, I was... I didn't take the call. I'll be honest with you. Uh, you know, my magazine. <laughs> wow. The, the the Crepe Myrtle Growers Association puts out a beautiful <laughs> magazine that I subscribe to. I have a, a great myrtle in my backyard. Long story short, I'm I'm in deep in this magazine reading about. Just leafing through a magazine couldn't be bothered by Joe Biden. Exactly. Leafing through a, a Crepe Myrtle magazine. I like it because pruning is a big thing with me. And my God, does my tree need it? So anyway, long story short, I'm, I'm in the throes of this magazine. Little did I know it was Joe Biden when I hear a ringing phone. So he leaves me a message, and it's just uh, it, it's become such such a weird dynamic. I want to play for you all the the last message he left for me. I can't be two places at the so talk to this machine. Leave a message that you mean. If you leave your name and where at, I'll call you right back. Hey, GC, it's Joe. Why aren't you picking up the phone, man? Wanted to talk some NFL draft. Dolphin's going to get that guy Kyle Pitts or what? I tell you, Scranton ought to have an NFL franchise. I'm going to have to sign an executive order or something. GC, I'll never forget how your dad and I met, how we became friends. I was a senator at that point, and staying at the Everglades Hotel in Miami. Your dad was the head carpenter there. He's coming up to fix our bed spring. <laughs> That's a long story. Joe was a young fellow back then. Well, Bill Cody reminded me of my own dad. Blue collar through and through. We'd sit around the kitchen table in Scranton. He'd say, Joey, we can't make ends meet. He'd tell my mom the same thing. She'd say, I know. I just heard you tell Joey. He'd say, well, it bears repeating. Times were tough in Scranton. Scranton, Scranton, Bo Banton, Banana, Banana, Folk Banton, Me, My, Mo Manton. Scranton! My dad used to say, good and decent people help each other fix flat tires. Find somebody fix their flat, even if it's a Jets fan. I'd spend all day walking around Scranton looking for somebody with a flat tire, usually to no avail. I'd do it again the next day, and the day after that. G.C., well, Bill, you know he hated barking dogs. Well, my dog Major keeps biting people. But you can't put a muzzle on Major any more than you can put a muzzle on America. It doesn't mean we have to be divisive. Come on, man. Joey don't quit. You know that, G.C. Hey, I'll be thinking of you on draft night. Next time I call, I want you to have a few nickname suggestions for that new NFL team from Scranton. <laughs> I mean, the Scranton is just such a great Joe Biden word. I mean, he sounds a little bit like he has a cold, but you're friends with Joe Biden. I buy it. We go from uh, that to <laughs> Mina Kimes. This is an exciting conversation because Mina really knows the NFL, and we talk a lot of Dolphins as well. So here she is. 
We're thrilled to be joined by Mina Kimes, the great NFL analyst and senior writer for ESPN, not to mention host of the acclaimed Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny. And uh, Mina, thanks uh, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's been too long. Yeah, we're going to jump right in because at this time of year, you are, as my late father used to say, busier than a one-armed paper hanger. So uh, we're going to get right into this. You all are too young to remember paper hangers where somebody would actually manually paste wallpaper against a wall. And imagine doing that when you had one arm. Boop, up. I, yeah, that is that is extreme. But people still paste wallpaper. Do they? Yeah, I, I hired someone recently to do it. Wow. Um, they haven't come yet, but yeah. Okay. Well, let's hope he has two arms. Um, <laughs> well, be, before we get started, I have to say that a recent deposit in my information bank suggests to me that uh, you are an acclaimed Geography B champion. Is that correct? Um, you know, in my younger days, um, elementary school, middle school, I won a Geography B or two or three back then. Yeah. Wow. How did this come up? Uh, I didn't know there were Geography Bs. I'm an elementary school spelling bee champion, but I have never heard of a Geography B. Oh, I won a spelling bee too. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> I, once in the geography bee, I actually beat my own brother. Uh-oh. Yeah, he was in eighth grade. That must have caused uh, discord. I think he was mentally prepared for it by then. But yeah, I, I, actually, was he in eighth grade or sixth grade? Now I was in fifth grade. I can't remember, the. but he, he's, he's one year older than me. So. And do you remember the question that made you champion and deflated him entirely? You know, I actually don't remember. Yeah, I don't either. I was trying to think of the word that I correctly spelled to win the B in spelling, and I can't remember it either. But I've got a baby with shoes because I'm a lot older than you. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it was just, it didn't stand out in my mind. It wasn't like a signature win. You know, now what I have to do is find some geography questions. And at the end of this, we're going to have a little quiz. So that's happening. I got a hard out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but first, um, I want to dive into this NFL draft, um, which is happening this Thursday night, the first round. Uh, Mina, I want to tell you my theory about the best case scenario for the Dolphins picking number six. And you tell me if you think I'm online here. The, the draft for Miami starts getting interesting at number four, you know, whether Atlanta trades down to a quarterback-hungry team, whether they draft Matt Ryan's replacement, whether they stay put and pick uh, Kyle Pitts. Um, and then Cincinnati at five, are they going to take uh, the big tackle or are they going to take uh, Jamar Chase, perhaps? And the Dolphins want Kyle Pitts. That's what I'm getting at. And there's certain things that have to happen for them to do that. What do you see as playing out four through six and, and the best case scenario for Miami? Well, the best case scenario is more options, right? So you're absolutely right that a quarterback going at four, whether it's to Atlanta or someone who trades up, would be ideal. Then uh, you at least have two of the three of Sewell Pitts chase on the board after Cincinnati picks. I find the Dalton's pick there very fascinating because as you guys remember, they traded down then back up. In doing so and training up, spending a first round pick to go back up to six, they signified that they either had one, two or three players that they really wanted that would not be available after pick six. I doubt it's as many as three. So I am very curious to see or hear who that player slash players are, because again, they gave up a lot of draft capital to get back to six, like a first round pick. It's kind of getting gotten lost in all this movement. Um, I think Pitts would be the dream, as you said. Everybody wants Kyle Pitts. I think an interesting decision for Miami, though, is if 
um, let's say a quarterback goes four and then Cincinnati takes Pitts, I think the choice between Jamar Chase and Panay Sewell is very interesting. All Dolphins fans seem to want Jamar Chase. They want a pass catcher, but I'm not convinced that would be the right move over taking Sewell, even though Miami drafted uh, offensive tackles recently. Yeah, that's interesting because they did um, devote a lot of their draft capital to offensive tackle. So I don't know that Sewell is is that higher on their priority list, but he sure would be tempting. And the other interesting thing to me is perhaps Jamar Chase versus Devonta Smith, only because uh, Devonta Smith played with Tua at Alabama. And so there's a little bit of a factor there, even though most people acknowledge that Chase is the better prospect than Smith, he may not be in the Dolphins draft room. So that's another thing that's that's interesting to me. How sold are you on, on Kyle Pitts? Because he's sort of like the, the wonderkind of this draft. Yeah, I am, I guess, as sold as sold can be. So in the bag, taken home, you know, I don't know. Doesn't it seem like everybody's trying to out be in love with Kyle Pitts on social media? Yes. Uh, our friend, mutual friend, Michael Jr. was joking about that. And I was, we were trying to like one up the comps. So the best one I could come up with was Aslan from Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. I was trying to think, like, what is like a pure, good, all powerful being other than God, right? Obviously. And uh, Bill Barnwell had a great joke, which was, it's like uh, when you come in from the cold and put on a pair of warm socks, that's Kyle Pitts. I thought that was pretty good too. Um, so I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to holster some of those for draft week. I don't want to use them all, but basically, guys, like I I in my life career have not seen a tight end prospect like him. Um, he is just he has it all: the athleticism, the size, the catch radius, the hands, the route running. The only thing he doesn't really have is like exceptional blocking, but I don't think it matters too much. And he's big enough to where I think it'll be fine. So he's a remarkable player. And the interesting thing is he's such a hybrid, you know, is he a tight end? Is he a wide receiver? He can play in the slot. I mean, there's a lot of uh, weaponry there in one guy. Um, but is he good? In it? The, the weird thing to me is that the Dolphins really like Mike Gusecki, the tight end they have. Yeah. So are the Dolphins good enough uh, on their upward arc to draft uh, what isn't really a position of need? Is Kyle Pitts that good? Or do you think that they would be smarter to go with Sewell, the, the tackle, if he's available? Uh, I think you've seen a lot of offenses in the NFL uh, do really cool and creative things with two tight ends. I mean, obviously, notoriously, the Patriots back in the day don't have to get into who those tight ends were. But I, I think that... Uh, just because you already have a good tight end doesn't mean you shouldn't add another one. Heck, and then the benefit of having them both on the field is defenses are never going to know what the hell's going on. Are they running? Are they throwing? Right. To have two guys like that who can run routes, I mean, and, you know, the, and create the kind of mismatches both of those players can would be extraordinary for Tua and for the co-coordinators, co right? It's co-coordinators in Miami. Yeah. So what would you say of all the quarterbacks going expected to go early? What is the most intriguing fit to you of this guy going to this team? Mm, that's a great question. I think that... So Trey Lance is, to me, the most intriguing quarterback because he's kind of a big question mark coming from a small school, but showing such a tantalizing skill set. For him to land in New England would be really interesting um, and a bad outcome for Miami that you should root against, in my opinion. You should root against New England getting him or Fields, frankly. Um, so I would like those, Matt, that either Fields or Lance to end up in New England, I think, with um, you know on, on a good team like that. Would be really nice. I would also say though, um, Fields or Lance in Denver too, because Denver is a team that's really a quarterback away from competing. They've got a lot of really nice weapons, and um, they're picking ninth. I think they should really 
look to be active if necessary uh, to get a guy because Drew Locke hasn't really established himself there. Mina, do you think it's uh, Mac Jones at three to the Niners, or do you think it possibly could be um, Justin um, Fields? I think it is Mac Jones based on the reporting. I'm not, that's not sourced from me. It's just from listening to kind of reading the tea leaves. Um, it just has been that for a while. And uh, most of the reporters have kind of stuck to it. I think Trey Lance actually is more likely to end up there than Justin Fields, ba- again, based on what the reporters are saying and sort of the participation of the Niners at Trey Lance's second pro day, uh, the how active they were in his workout. But it does really seem like it's going to be Mac Jones. And obviously, this is a, a question that uh, is of great interest down here in Miami. Um, yeah. You know, Bill Belichick dethroned genius trying to get back to that pedestal. What's he going to do in this draft, do you think? There's some talk that he would be the guy to trade all the way up to four, which would just cost a ton. Do you imagine him doing that? Or do you think he's going to sit still at 15 or wherever he is? I don't think he's going to trade all the way up to four. I'd be pretty surprised. I think the more intriguing possibility is that seven to nine range where you've got uh, Detroit, Carolina, and then Denver at nine. Is he willing to get out in front of Denver for Lance or Fields? I don't know. Frankly, it's such unprecedented territory for New England. I would, If I was a Patriots fan, I'd want them to because I don't think they're going to have another shot at a quarterback like these two. Um, you know, you, you always say that you never know next year, but from what we're hearing, the class is not as good. Uh, I've watched these, all these five. I think they're all pretty exciting. So I would, I, if I was a Patriots fan, I would want them to, but I truly don't know if Belichick is willing to do that. All right. I have three minutes till our heart out. I have two questions here. (laughs) First one is for Greg. Which of the following cities is furthest east on the map in the United States? Which of these three cities furthest east? Kennewick, Washington, Los Angeles, California, or Reno, Nevada? Which of those three cities, Dad, is furthest east? Geography and science were the two uh, that I hated. Um, I'm going to say Reno. Okay, Mina, do you have an answer for that one? I think it's Los Angeles. Mina is correct. <laughs> Los, Los Angeles. Because the United, it's curved. Yeah. Look at that little trick question there. Uh-huh. One more. Same type of question. Did you Google geography question? I did. There's no way you, okay. Yeah, yeah while well, you guys yeah. were talking. I don't know. I don't know what Kennewick, Washington, where that is. I mean, obviously yeah. Washington, but no. All right, here we go. That same, same exact <laughs> premise. Which And we'll let my dad go first again, because I feel like he's going to be bad at this. Which of the following cities is furthest east on the map? Atlanta, Georgia, Cincinnati, Ohio, Tampa, Florida. Furthest east. Mina's looking confident like she's got this one. <laughs> I'm going to say Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, that is, Mina, do you have an answer? I think it's Atlanta, too. That is wrong. Really? All right, let's uh, let's oh. narrow it down. We got two choices. Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio, Tampa, Florida. Dad? Oh, it's got to be Tampa. Mina? Well, it's probably Ohio. It's Ohio. Yeah, I no should have done way. that. Yeah, this is obviously they were trying to be tricky again <laughs> yep. after the LA one. I don't oh. know why I said Atlanta. Oh, fun, fun. Yeah. That was fun. Look at us. That's it. A two-question <laughs> quiz? Mina's got a hard out. Let's go. I mean, I didn't find it anymore anyways. Those are good. It's okay. It's only 218. I don't know. If you want to ask me any Dolphins question, I don't think I answered any Dolphins. Well, did I? We did talk about that. No, you didn't answer a Dolphin question, but as long as you've got a couple of more minutes. Well, one more minute, yeah. The thought down here is that after taking a a toy for Tua with the sixth pick, that at 18, they're going to maybe go edge rush. And, um, you know, I think... um, What's the Quiddy Pay? Is he the like he's the premier edge rusher? I can't imagine him being around at eighteen. Do you think he might be, or if not, 
Which of the two Miami edge guys do you think might interest the Dolphins more? Yeah, it's a really strange and complicated edge rush class. There's no Chase Young type. It's all very muddled. And a lot of it has to do with the a shortened season, frankly. And a lot of these guys are really inexperienced, but incredibly athletic. Quiddy Pay fits that bill. I, I do think he's likely to be the first off the board and will probably be gone by the time you get to Miami, but you're still going to have your pick, especially picking there uh, at 18 of a lot of the edge rushers. I prefer Jalen Phillips, who played this year. Obviously, Rousseau opted out. Um, for those who don't know his story, I guess it's the Miami podcast, so you're, most people are pretty aware, but you know he was the top prospect in the country before having the medical issues um, before coming to Miami. I think he has a really nice blend of size, athleticism, and also pass rush production, which has been missing uh, amongst a lot of the other prospects. And, you know, like we, we know how good the Dolphins secondary is. I do think they need to get some reinforcements up front to help uh, Agba because, you know, that area, there's still, I think, a deficit of talent. More fun for you, not as an <laughs> analyst, but as just a fan, draft week or Super Bowl week? Well, hmm, hmm. I would say draft week because mm-hmm. Super Bowl week, it, it's like there's just so much. It's just such a mess. You know, draft weeks like more like football people um, and Super Bowl this week, this year. And I, I came to Tampa. It was just such a bummer because, right. <laughs> uh, you know, COVID. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm I, I'll just, be, just say it. I'm very excited to take my first vaccinated trip. I don't know if you guys have done yeah. that yet, but like, oh, it's, I'm zined up. That's going to be great, right? Like, yeah, it's awesome. Like, going to Florida, I was oh, the whole time, I was like, <laughs> nobody can hear me, you know, and now I get to feel a little bit more relaxed. So that'll be yeah. cool. What yeah. is the smallest country in the world? First one to get it wins. The small, is it Lesotho? Nope. It's kind of a trick question. This is a trick question. Rhode Island. No, oh, you said the world. I said it said country too. Vatican City. Anyway. Oh, duh. Wait a minute. <laughs> that's a trick question. It is. Oh, that's good. Is All that right. considered to be a country? I think it is, Dad. That's why I said it. They have a police force? They <laughs> got a mayor? I think they do. I'll look it up. Thank you, Mina, for joining us. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Mina. Mina Karim's just so delightful. One of my favorite people from ESPN. I miss her. Um, I want to. I think it's funny to bring up here uh, Yeti. Welcome, first day on the show, first week working with us, uh, getting to know what it's like to be a producer. In that he he actually uh, came up with those questions that we did in that geography B, and then Mina asked me on air, did I just come up with those? And I just was like, I bowled right through. Yeah, 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 that was me. I did that. I did all of it. When Yeti is sitting there like, first day on the job, I can't get any credit for this. And then thank you for that. You made that segment better. Good job, Yeti. You're welcome. The credit is yours anytime you need it. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the big show. Yeah, the the weird thing is uh, when you say like a great line into something, the producer says a great line, a funny line into somebody's ear and the host says the line and gets all the credit and all the laughs and the producer's going, that's me. I did that. How often do you guys whisper jokes into Greg's ear and it never happens? Oh, my God. My dad, I think after like two years of being on the the Levitard show, he finally got that premise of like, oh, wait, I hear a whispering (laughs) voice. That means it's just for me. At one point, there were times (laughs) on the air where like the first couple years where he would just you'd whisper something into his ear and then Dan would be in the middle of a point and you'd hear my dad all of a sudden go, yeah, that's funny. (laughs) <laughs> like in the, on the show like right. he's just like reacting to the joke that we just said in his ear like just the mechanics that- the, the mechanics of radio slash podcasting have been quite the hill for my dad to climb yeah i cannot tell you how distracting i find it 
uh, when I'm on the air and I'm about to speak or I'm listening to somebody else speak and, and a disembodied voice in my ear is telling me something or asking me something, it just completely throws my game off. And I don't even have that much of a game. So when you throw my game off, it's like insane. Don't do that, <laughs> but, but, you know, but, Mike Ryan. But look at it this way, Greg. You've come a long way. You, after a couple of years, you finally got a joke that was whispered in your ear, and now Joe Biden is calling you to check in on you and leave you voicemails. Look how far you've come. This is great. I can't tell him quit calling me. I mean, that would be rude. But um, maybe the next time he calls me, uh, we'll share it again. It's almost better if I don't take the call that's, that's because true, then I have a true. recording of it. We all have an Uncle Joe, and yours just happens to be the president. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. With Yeti being here, are we still doing Mount Gregmore? Is that still a segment we're doing, or did he get rid of that for us? I well, feel like he didn't. I feel like we're gonna still do Mount Gregmore. No, I think I think we're still doing Mount Gregmore. I I'm totally open to making it not every week. I'm totally open to you guys doing it once in a while. But for today, we do have a, a Mount Gregmore. It's back at you celebrating NFL Draft Week, so it is very timely. Mount Gregmore is gonna bring you the worst first-round picks in Miami Dolphins history. Wow, um, that is very... Uh... That's a long list, Greg. <laughs> it is. Listen, it, it was tough to winnow this list down, which is exactly why the Finns haven't won a Super Bowl since Greg Cody was a teenager, and I'm old. So, with that in mind, um, our honorable mention. Uh, he was a defensive end out of Boston College, drafted mid-first round in 1987, played three forgettable seasons, then withered out of the league entirely. But this guy had some genes because his boys, Joey and Nick, are huge stars in today's NFL. If only the Dolphins could have said the same about their dad, John Bosa. <laughs> Number five. It's 1997, and Miami is excited to top draft a wide receiver from the hometown Hurricanes. First day at training camp, he blows out a knee, misses the whole year. Second season in training camp, re-injures the same knee out for the whole year. Third season, he finally plays, quietly, barely, catches 18 passes, Finns let him go, and Yatil Green never plays another down in the NFL. <laughs> that is such a great That's just name. a good name. That is just it a is. good name to pull out. Number four, in 1972, in the draft that preceded the perfect season, Miami selected this Notre Dame defensive tackle. He spent the entire first year on the taxi squad, didn't play it down, then was traded becoming the Finns' only first-round draft pick to sign with the team and never play a down in a game. Thanks for the memories, Mike Kadish. Number three. Anyone know who Mike Kadish is? Like, I feel like we're getting a little too obscure now. I mean, Well, the, you know, when, when the category is worst picks, the chances of, of uh, obscurity is a little greater than if the category were best picks. Seems like this That's is right. a, good, a good choice then for a topic if uh, all these names are going to be people that we mostly don't know. I, you know, I, I traffic in obscurity. I love it. So, number three. In 74, Miami took another shot at a defensive tackle. This one from Jackson State. He lasted three seasons without a single sack before being released. It would later be learned his love for football was no match for his affinity for cocaine. Don Reese. Number two. It is 2013, and Miami is so infatuated with this defensive end out of Oregon that they trade up in the first round, way up to number three to get him. They double down on a nightmare. He ended up playing two seasons, and the most notable thing he did was be suspended three times for substance abuse violations once for an entire year. Dion Jordan. Terrible pick. 
number one. This is a this is a lot of places you can go here. I have my. Am I allowed to guess here? Sure, go ahead. Ted Ginn. Ted Ginn. Um, I think gets a bad rap. Uh, he had. He was not, not terrible for a few years, and then when when he left the Dolphins, he actually had a, a fairly long career. You know, he's um, right. That's what made it more frustrating. Is he got decent true. right when he left here? Right. Uh, he was a very unpopular pick. I'll give you that, but. Uh, I didn't think he was a total bust. Anyway, number one, worst pick in franchise history for the Dolphins. This is inaugural franchise year, 1966, and Miami is going all in with this quarterback out of Kentucky with the second overall pick. The bad news, he was epic bad. In four seasons, he had a 41% completion percentage, six touchdown passes, and 30 interceptions. The good news, if he were any better... Miami might not have used its top pick the very next year on a quarterback, some guy named Bob Greasy. So thank you, I guess, Rick Norton. <laughs> hey, Norton. That's it. Another another award-winning Mount Gregmore is in the history books. <sighs> I have to admit, it's uh, even as I was researching Dad, and writing... Dad, is it interesting? Like, I'm yeah. a little, like, annoyed. Like, Dad, is it interesting? Is that list interesting or funny? I think it's interesting to Dolphins fans. I do. You know, somebody out there is going, what about Sammy Smith? Like Ted Ginn, Sammy Smith's another guy who actually, in three seasons with the Dolphins, he had like 17, 1,800 yards rushing. He was bad. He was a huge disappointment, but he was not uh, a pure draft bust. And so uh, I just wanted to make it topical about draft week. But you're right. Even as I was doing it, I was like, this is the classic type of Mount Greg Moore that Christopher is going to criticize. I did say that to myself. Um, I want to um, thank Mina Combs for joining us today. Uh, I want to thank uh, Yeti Blanc, uh, the newcomer, losing his virginity today on the Greg Cody Show podcast. How'd that feel? Baby! How about that? Odd visual you've just created. It really is. But, uh, you know, this is his maiden appearance is what I mean. And uh, we're happy to have him. Mostly we're happy, uh, podcast family, that you join us every week. Really appreciate your support. And um, thanks for coming back after we took last week off. Uh, Thanks for not forgetting about us. And um, we do this just for you. And um, we'll see you again next week. 